Baseball Today podcast on what I can only assume is a Kokomo Friday. And if it's not, do not blame me, Chris Towers. Blame Adam Azer, who's editing this show but not hosting. I'm here with Scott White. Scott, are you hoping it's a Kokomo Friday? You just blew our cover because I think there have been many occasions at the start of the podcast where we have pretended like we're hearing the music that's playing. We don't actually. No, it's all, no, no, it's no. all an it's, act. It's put in after. So, yeah, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, <laughs> the intro and the outro, we don't hear. Yeah. We don't know what it's going to be on any given day. But the drops, we do hear. I do want to stress that. Yeah, the drops. Yeah, the so drops. We're not faking that. When Regulators comes on, it's not like we're sitting here just silent, pretending we're listening to music. No, it's actually playing for sure. us. Yeah, that's true. When Heath sighs... We hear that. <laughs> was that a good intro? It was fine. We're going to be talking about fantasy baseball today on Fantasy Baseball Today. We've got Thursday standouts. We're going to preview week 20. We've got a segment called Yikes, Danny Salazar. We've got some post-trade lineup and roster notes. We've got your emails, suspensions, signs of life. So much to get to on today's episode. But first, we'll start. With Thursday's standouts, and I've got an obvious one. Will Smith. Getting jiggy with it. See him courtside with the Lakers. Yeah. Sitting 50-yard line at the Raiders. Uh, Two for four with a grand slam last night. It was kind of a... It was definitely a juiced ball special kind of grand slam. It looked like it should have, like, been a flare out (laughs) to left... Between left field and the second baseman, and then it ended up carrying about 395 feet. Uh, he is 8 for 17 with three home runs since being recalled. He has started, I believe, five of six games for the Los Angeles Dodgers since being recalled. Scott, where is Will Smith in your catcher rankings right now? Are you moving him? Uh, I know I moved him considerably on Tuesday. I meant are you moving him literally right now? I'm not moving him literally right now. I am pulling up my rankings. Oh, football's... The football drop-down's taking the place of the oh. baseball drop-down, and so I went into the football rankings that time of year. He's ninth. He's ninth, just behind uh, fellow risers Travis Darno and Mitch Garver. Okay, so that's... I moved, I moved him ahead of James McCann. I moved him ahead of Wilson Ramos. Yeah, we got uh, a couple of questions, I think, on Twitter, and maybe one on email. Uh, should you drop Wilson Ramos for Will Smith? I would at this point. Wilson Ramos just seems like he's having kind of a broken season. Um, I was going to say something, well, and then I totally forgot. Oh, no, that that brings up a good point. You have him behind Travis Darno, one spot, right? Yeah. Travis Darno uh, has been playing a lot of first base and even some DH for the Rays when Mike Zunino is in the lineup. Does the acquisition of Jesus Aguilar change that at all, do you think? Boy, I don't know what to make of Jesus Aguilar 
He started yesterday. Yeah, against a right-hander, against yep. uh, Andrew Kashner, and had a great game. And uh, They sent down Nathaniel Lowe. They sent down, right, which was also surprising because it seemed like a ready-made platoon partner at first base. Maybe they just make Travis Darno the regular catcher, and that's how they proceed. But uh, Aguilar was in the lineup against a righty. Lowe is gone. Darno wasn't in the lineup, I don't think. Yeah, because Choi played mm-hmm. DH. Or actually, Aguilar played DH. Yeah. Choi played first. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's that whole situation is really confusing. I'm surprised they haven't sitting down Brasso yet, Mike Brasso. Uh, Eric Sogard, I think, got his first start since joining the team yesterday, and also had a good game. There's it's a mess. so many pieces there. Yeah, I believe heading into Wednesday's game, when I was after when I was looking up for the Hazers Aguilar trade, the four games prior to that, they had played. Three different players in four games at first base, and three different players in four games at DH, and that's with Brandon Lau still on the the IL. So yeah, it's just it seems like it could be tough, and and that's the reason why I think I might put Will Smith ahead of Darno. I mean that's that's fair. I I get. I, I just think it. I think it's still still too early to say because I, the reason I had him ahead was he looked like he had a playing time advantage over most catchers. He's playing virtually every day, mm-hmm. uh, more than half of the time at first base. I mean, Zunino's had a terrible season. I'm not sure how he rates defensively. To be perfectly honest, I think he always rates out pretty well. Yeah, um, I I would imagine Darno makes. You know, if if he is less a part of the first base equation, which I also think it's too early to say, then he probably starts at least two-thirds of the time at catcher. Um, and it's becoming increasingly clear that Will Smith really is the guy yes. for the Dodgers. Russell Smith, Russell Martin is just a backup. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tenuous lead Darno has over Smith right now. And uh, I, I could probably be talked into switching that. I just, I just want to see a little more because I hate, I hate switching it one day and then switching back the next. You know. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more a little later about Thursday's action, but I do want to get to our email of the day, and it's from Simon. And here it is: Dear Villanelle and Eve, do you know who those are? No. Watch the television program. Killing Eve. Okay. It's extremely good. Highly recommend it. I'm, Simon writes in. Oh, what? I'm not going to watch it until it's almost over, because that's how I do these things. <laughs> I think they're bringing it back for a third season. It's yeah. very good. I highly recommend it. Okay. All right. Uh, right Simon writes in, here are a few slow starters who seem to have really turned their season around a bit under the radar. A couple of them... Uh, one of them had a big game last night. Another couple of them have been just been really good lately. Jack Flaherty, since the two bad starts at the end of June, he has a 116 ERA, a .77 whip, and a K per nine of 11.3. He was outstanding last night. Seven shutout innings, nine strikeouts. What do you make of Jack Flaherty at this point? I think he is... Uh... Possibly taking an ace turn here. A lot of people had hopes that he would emerge as this from the start of the year. Mm-hmm. I think I think he, Heath was even drafting him over Walker Bueller. Uh, and he may not have been alone there. But, uh, yeah, that's very encouraging. He's, he's looking like a must-start, and um, hopefully you stuck with him during some of his struggles. 
Yeah, hopefully you even bought low if you didn't have him at the All-Star break. This was, um, not to toot my own horn too much, but he was one of my breakout picks for the second half. And it was mostly just betting on the talent, betting on how talented he is, what he showed last season, that he would be better than he was in the first half. And it's working out so far. Another guy who we haven't really talked too much about, and it's been kind of a startling season, is Matt Olson. Uh, since coming back from the Hammett bone injury on May 8th, he has 22 home runs and an OPS north of one th- of 900. That's a 162-game pace of 49 home runs, 89 runs, 104 RBI. Where does Matt Olson sit in your first base rank? Pretty high. He's having a nice bounce-back season, and surprisingly, given the injury he was dealing with, you know, we saw with both Justin Turner and Yuli Gurriel last year, they came back from the same injury, and their power just wasn't there for several weeks. But Olsen came back homering right away, and uh, I have him 17th looking at my head-to-head points rankings. He is between uh, Jose Abreu and Trey Mancini. Seems low. Well, I mean... I guess head-to-head points isn't his best format, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have Yuli Gurriel ahead of him in this format. I probably have Gurriel behind him in Roto, and then you get to, like, Goldschmidt, Encarnacion. You know, it's it's a deep position, obviously. Yeah. uh, Of the top 10 home run hitters since May 8th, Olsen actually has the lowest home run to fly ball rate, which isn't terribly surprising because he does play in a really tough park, so that's something to keep in mind. But he's having a really nice season. Uh, someone who, in Roto at least, could be a top 12 first baseman moving forward. Josh Donaldson also turned his season around right on June 1st. He's got 18 home runs, third in the majors, 44 RBI, six in the majors, highest average exit velocity of his career, only a 249 batting average, but with a 240 BABIP. What do you make of Josh Donaldson at this point? This is two healthy seasons in a row where it's taken him a little while, but then he's played... Kind of like that MVP version for the for a run. So two healthy seasons in a row. You're talking 2017. He missed 2018. Yeah. yeah, but when he was healthy in 2017, yeah, no, he was. And um, I don't think he's quite that good, but I I do think he's, you know, he's another guy who you're happy you you stuck with and. Yeah, he's must start all of that. I, he only comes in fifteenth in my third base rankings, and this is the this is the problem we find around the around the infield. He's fifteenth, yep. but he's ahead of Eugenio Suarez. He's ahead of Vladimir Guerrero, who I very much like, and who's uh, looks like he's picking it up quite a bit with two home runs yesterday. And uh, you know, but it's it's that's that's just the way third base has gone this year, where. It's very likely if you are starting Donaldson, you're starting him in your utility spot. All right, let's talk about Danny Salazar, a new segment, Yikes. Danny Salazar, I know both of us were, I don't know if excited, but interested Yeah, in Danny Salazar making his comeback from that shoulder injury. Uh, hasn't pitched since 2017, but was always a high strikeout guy. Doesn't look like that's going to work out. He pitched four <laughs> innings yesterday, left with a groin injury, but even before yeah. that, uh, it doesn't sound like he was going to pitch too much longer than that. I think he had like 60 pitches already. Uh, four hits, two runs, three walks, two strikeouts. I believe only three swinging strikes. And his which, fastball. At, which actually isn't a horrible line, considering 
he he averaged eighty seven miles per hour with his fast eighty seven point eight I think yeah and topped out at eighty eight point three so his average fastball velocity was ten miles an hour lower basically since the last time we saw him in the majors yeah and that's not going to cut it now there were discouraging reports about his velocity as he was rehabbing but those but were low 90 yeah those low were 90s. like oh he's hitting 92 yeah. 93 and he had a great strikeout rate you know it was a short rehab assignment but still there was reason to think okay maybe yeah you know, as desperate as you are for pitching help and we all are i assume um you know, maybe maybe he'll be able to overcome like a four mile per hour drop in velocity. The odds were against it, but maybe he's worth a flyer. But if he's and if he's not even hitting nine, yeah. Now it is. You mentioned he left with a groin injury. My understanding is he was pitching through the groin injury, and that probably had something to do with it. But even so, now he has a groin injury. <laughs> like I don't, I I don't really think it's a worthy pursuit anymore. Yeah, probably not someone we're running out to add. Which two-star pitchers are you running out to add? Who's your favorite two-star pitcher for Week 20? My favorite of those available. Of those we use 70% owned in, as yeah. the standard here, right? Yeah. Uh, it's probably Griffin Canning just because I think he's the most talented of that, not because his matchups are good. He is coming off a very good start. It was against Detroit. As playing with fire, I mean – that all two-start sleepers are. Uh, so he's probably my favorite. Jordan Yamamoto is up there, too. His matchups are a little better, and he was... I think it was it was good yesterday. He gave up four runs, but in uh, six innings with eight strikeouts, actually a season high in swinging strikes. So uh, Yamamoto's up there. I'll two. give you two who I like. Okay. Uh, lower owned, both below 50% owned. Dylan Cease uh, coming off his... Probably what was his best start yep. in the majors so far. And he gets at Detroit, worst offense in baseball, great place to pitch. And then versus Oakland, that can be a tough matchup. But I think given the start against Detroit, I like him for this week. And then I'm going to throw out Vince Velasquez. And I don't feel super comfortable <laughs> about it. He's 40% owned. Uh, but he's at Arizona, at San Francisco. Those are two I mean, at San Francisco, great place to pitch. At Arizona, not a bad place to pitch at this point. So, uh, Vince Velasquez, 40%. Probably uh, him and Dylan Cease, my two favorites. Yeah, I mean, I could get behind Dylan Cease a little easier than Velasquez just because, I mean, Velasquez is five innings and that's it. Yep. At least it has been. I mean, that's as, as we learned with Zach Gallen. All it takes is one start to change that trend. But if the trend continues, it's you're you're probably not getting that much value. I mean, hopefully in categories league you're getting some ratio help. Hopefully, but if if that's all you're looking for, then probably go with a reliever instead. All right, let's talk about some big news. Jamison Tyone has will have season-ending flexor tendon surgery. That is not Tommy John's. So that's the good news. It does carry a seven to nine month recovery period so that would put him what maybe pitching back maybe back to pitching in february in time for spring training but on the lo- the longer end could be april or may so mm, yeah definitely tough to see he was a disappointment this season uh got off to a really good start though and then it just seemed like he wasn't right 
a Tommy John guy in the past, how how late would you think? What's the earliest you think you would take Jamison Tyone next season? Oh, middle rounds, I think. Maybe, uh, maybe like the round fifteen range, just to pull a number out of the blue. I I think I will probably rank him as like a top fifty or sixty starting pitcher. Yeah, and uh, just for reference, he did have a four-one ERA this season. That was with a three-eight-one FIP. Uh, Good whip, good control, strikeout rate wasn't there this season. That was the disappointing thing for him. Some of the other big news, Cole Hamill should be back from the IL on Saturday. I believe that starts against the Brewers. Are you starting Cole Hamels this weekend? Uh, Probably not. I'd rather give, especially against that lineup, I'd rather give him a uh, a chance to kind of shake off the rust. But I'm excited about him. Moving forward, he pretty much emerged as a must-start guy. Second tier, obviously, but nonetheless. Ken Giles expected to return Sunday or Monday. He had that uh, cortisone injection in his elbow. No structural damage, but it does sound like he'll be back soon. That's a good sign. And Yadier Molina will begin a rehab assignment this Friday. He's recovering from a strained thumb, has been out for about a month, maybe a little longer is he a top 12 catcher at this point when he comes back? No, I don't think so. I mean, the the position has added so many interesting possibilities lately that uh, that Molina's outside of that group for me. And wasn't having a very good season before. Hitting no. 261 for the, first, for the second season in a row, but last year that was with a 436 slugging percentage this year. 368, only four home runs, and 16 doubles yeah. in 71 games. I mean, it's it's gotten to the point now, one catcher leagues, you shouldn't be having that much trouble filling the spot with somebody who's at least useful. I mean, obviously, there are still few catchers that are legitimately high-end, in part because most of them don't play enough to be, but useful shouldn't be hard to find at this point. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back with injuries, news, and notes, some of the post-trade lineup and roster news, and more right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, we're back, and let's get into some more injuries, news, and notes. Some guys who could be back soon. Jesus Lazardo uh, threw a simulated game, felt good as he comes back from his shoulder injury. Is he still worth stashing? Is he in your uh, prospects to stash column, which came out on CBS Sports Friday morning? He's not. In part because there are a lot of interesting options entering the discussion there. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly Gavin Lux, who's hitting like 
450 with a 1400 OPS since moving up to AAA. And whose uh, who's emergence this season is a big part of why the Dodgers didn't make any trades at yeah. the deadline. And it's it's one of those things like it's it's if if he completes his recovery without a setback or a, no, a new injury this time, uh, the chances of Luzardo pitching in the majors this year I think are pretty high. When in Lux's case, I'd put it at less than fifty fifty. He plays in the majors, but uh, I mean the the impact potential is so high there. It's the same thing I've been saying with Luis Robert, where if you play in a league of and you know the size that more than 300 325 players are being rostered it's probably worth stashing these guys just in case luzardo though i mean this was a simulated game where he threw two innings not even the start of a rehab yeah. assignment i imagine he needs at least three rehab starts so yeah. the clock is really is really his enemy right now um and you know and uh, they don't have an obvious hole in the rotation right now they did pick up a couple of mediocre starters but yeah. o- oakland has a thing for mediocre starters. So while I think it's pretty good that he pitches in the majors, the chances this year, it's, we're probably talking like a spot starter to late in September and not really anything you're going to want to uh, to gamble your fantasy standing on. We might see him and A.J. Puck pitch out of the bullpen. That might be my prediction okay. in September. Uh, Marcelo Zuna could be back from the IL soon. He's been on his rehab assignment this week, coming back from, I believe, there's a couple of small fractures in his hand. So hopefully he gets back and it doesn't impact him too much. Hand injuries, always a little uh, troublesome. Uh, Alex Dickerson was placed on the IL. He'd been hitting red hot for the Giants. Um, was he someone who was on your radar at all? He's got an oblique injury, so it could be a little while. They were only playing him like half the time. Yeah. He's their only good hitter, and uh, they didn't seem to care. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Giants. They don't have any good players. <laughs> they're somehow in the race, and they Let's somehow believe they're back. in the race. Kind of. I think he's got like an 820 OPS since the All-Star break. He's that's, back, baby. That's something to get excited about for uh-huh. sure. All right, Josh Naylor was recalled from AAA. Sounds like he might mix in in the outfield, but we think it's going to be Renfro, Marco, and and Will Myers in the outfield We th- more often than we not. We think, though, Naylor was playing more often than Myers when he was up before, not really doing anything with mm-hmm. that playing time. But, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming Myers is going to play close to every day again, and, and Renfro certainly. All right, and Josh Harrison's beginning a rehab assignment from that torn hamstring that he suffered early in the season. Let's look at some post-trade roster and lineup notes. Yasiel Puig was in the starting lineup on Thursday, but at some point he will not be in the starting lineup for the Indians for at least three games because he was suspended. Uh, like nine players were suspended in that fight. Six, actually. Uh, nobody really fantasy relevant, though, so it's okay, except for him. Yeah, it was weird. We didn't talk about this. Well, I don't know. I guess I wasn't on the podcast, but how... Everybody knew he was traded, and yet he was still in the game. And then the fight happened. That's uh, that's loyalty, you know. That's <laughs> sticking up for your guys. Well, he didn't know he was traded. Like, everybody, Jesse Winker and, knew, and he the was outside traded. world. That's right. Yeah, a fan. A fan told Jesse Winker mid-game. There was a video on social media, uh, him informing him that 
Puig was traded, Bauer was acquired. It was a three-team deal. Yep. You know, Winker had to rush to his position before he could totally make sense of it all. But it was, it was a fun video. All right, here's some other roster moves. Nate Lowe, like we mentioned, sent to AAA for Jesus Aguilar. Uh, Framo Reyes did start for the Indians as well. And the expectation should be that he starts pretty much every day, right? Because Jake Bowers and Greg Allen were sent to AAA. Those were two of the outfield options for the Indians. Yeah. Uh, should be Mercado, Puig, and Reyes in the outfield yeah. more often than not. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a really strong outfield all of a sudden. The, the Indians went from being a joke out there to, I mean, that, that's that's a great outfield. That They have a good lineup now, you know, with Jose Ramirez yep. back to form. and Not a team that you target like we were early in the season. It's it's interesting. Like, and, and obviously there were some financial considerations. To I mean, that they deal. punted on their offseason and just bet that the rest of the AL was so mediocre that they could be in the race in July. Well, I mean, they reconfigured their team in a way that may be... I mean, Bauer was the the better player, and they gave him up, but now they have a, they went from having a bad lineup to a good one. Yeah. They still have Clevenger, and they're going to have Kluber. They have Bieber. I mean, Maybe Carrasco. And, yeah, hopefully Carrasco. It, it, even if they don't have Carrasco, I mean, that top three could certainly take them deep into the playoffs. Like, they're World Series contenders. And in a way, it seems like they're even more now than they were before this trade. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's a little annoying. Nicholas Castellanos batted second for the Cubs. That's an interesting one. We do expect him to play every day, but if he's batting second for the Cubs, that could be a really nice upgrade for a guy who uh, was probably being held back at least a little bit by both the park and lineup that he played in in Detroit. Does he get an upgrade for you? Yeah, he gets an upgrade. He is going to, obviously, a much better lineup, and that, that's going to help at least the the RBI and the run production, especially if he keeps batting second, even more so. Uh, the power, the home run production was lower, too, but not in a way where the indicators really suggested that he couldn't recover from that. And you look at the Tigers lineup now, my goodness. They have an eight-game week this upcoming week against, I, th- I believe it's Royals and White Sox pitchers. So what should be Is there anyone an you awesome start? matchup. And there's nobody. There's nobody I can recommend starting in that lineup. They're calling up uh, Travis Demerit. Yes. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Who they acquired from the Braves in the Shane Green deal. He had 20 homers at AAA this year. He's always been a good power hitter in the minors, but a lot of strikeouts. And uh, I'm not sure how much he's going to play. But that's the closest I'd come to recommending somebody. Yeah, I would hope he just plays every day. I, I would mean, hope so, the, yeah. the track record overall is pretty mediocre. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the juice ball this year, he's hitting for more power. MLB does obviously have that same juice ball. So uh, maybe there's a chance that he can become fantasy relevant for the Tigers. But not necessarily someone you need to run out and grab. Uh, the Braves did confirm that Shane Green will close for them. Personally, I wouldn't be too surprised if Mark Melanson ends up closing at some point just because I'm not a big believer in Shane Green. I think there's a chance he falls apart. His FIP suggests that he's probably been the luckiest pitcher in baseball. Yeah, but I don't think that means he's not good. Like, he's still, let's say he's 
325 ERA the rest of the He's still probably the Braves' best reliever. Yeah, like, I'm not a chance, sure. But there's a chance he's like a 4-5 ERA guy moving if forward. If he has that's bad what luck, he's been, sure. But that's what he's been for his career, too. Yeah, but, I mean, he's uh, he's improved his arsenal this year. I can't remember specifically what it is, but one of his secondary pitches is much more effective than it used to be. Right. AJ Minter was optioned to AAA. Just an absolutely disastrous season for him. When it seemed like there was going to be an opportunity for him to possibly take that closer's job early and really establish himself as a high-end reliever. Uh, anything else? Austin Meadows was in right field for the Rays, so he may play in the outfield a little more often. And the one other thing, Corey Dickerson was not in the lineup for the Phillies. It'll be interesting to see what they do uh, with Adam Hazley, who's hit pretty well for them. Uh, but Corey Dickerson, a much better hitter, kind of disastrous in the outfield. I wonder who's going to get more playing time between him and Jay Bruce when Jay Bruce is healthy, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't. Do we have a timeline for Bruce? I mean, Bruce was. It sounds like he could be back within the next couple of weeks. I don't, at the very least, I don't expect Dickerson to play much against righties because. When he's in the lineup, either Kingery or Michael Franco is out. Michael Franco should probably just be out of the lineup. Well, I mean, Kingery should be there. Dickerson's pretty well established as a platoon player now, so I, I don't imagine Gabe Kapler is going to buck that trend. Either way, just get Michael <laughs> Franco out of the lineup. He's been abysmal since like the second week of the season. Um. Oh my God. We have another segment coming up called Signs of Life, question mark. And it reminds me that we forgot to mention maybe the biggest standout on Thursday night, Scott. Who? We're fools. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's here. He's real. And he's spectacular. Two home runs last night. Multiple hits in seven of his last 11 games. Five home runs. I believe 21 RBI or 20 RBI in his last 11 games. He's been absolutely outstanding lately he's looked like the guy we hoped he would be are you buying it yeah i I mean not fully yet but this is this is uh i I believe the podcast right after the all-star break where of course we saw him put on that show in the home run derby uh you know we were making predictions who would be the biggest gainers in the second half and he was among mine i i foresaw you know, kind of, kind of the way Ronald Acuna was last year, where his first couple months on the job, he looked solid. I mean, you certainly saw the potential. He wasn't uh, a uh, a fantasy stud yet, and then yeah. he just took off in August and September. And I, I could foresee something similar happening for Guerrero, since the talent. I mean, that what he did in the home run derby left no. Should have left no doubts in anybody's mind that he could be great. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, now he's—it looks like he's hopefully take, making that that next step. Yeah, eighteen games since the All Star break: three twenty four, three eighty five, five ninety two triple slash, five home runs, twenty two RBI, only eleven strikeouts and seventy eight plate appearances as well. So that's a good sign. That is the guy we were hoping to get. Uh, some other guys who are showing some signs of life lately. JT Realmuto, three runs, one home run, three RBI yesterday in a three-for-five day. He's got nine hits, three home runs, nine RBI over his last five games. 
Where is he in your catcher ranks? He's third, I believe, behind uh, Sanchez, who will hopefully be back soon, and Grandal. Uh, actually, I have him behind Wilson Contreras, too, so he's fourth. But I think you can make the case for him as high as second. He's he's a guy who all season long has been underperforming his ex-WOBA. And, and he's still third in points among catchers. There you go. Does get a lot of playing time. I think points second, per game actually. is probably lower, but but yeah. And Dylan C, seven innings, seven hits, three runs, but two walks, six strikeouts, 27 strikeouts and 28 innings, 14 walks. Is Dylan C a can own or is he a must own? He is a can own. He This was really his first good start. 12 walks and 21 innings the previous four. And for a guy who is known to have control issues, that was the big question mark coming in. And, you know, it was a good start, but he still had less than a strikeout per inning, only 11 swinging strikes. I think I think we need to see a lot more than from Cease. Though, as you pointed out, making two starts and one against the Tigers next week, that uh, depending on how desperate you are for a two-start pitcher, it might be worth picking up him up just because of that. Zach Wheeler has had two very good starts since coming back from his shoulder issue. Seven shutout innings yesterday, four hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. He has 14 strikeouts, zero walks in his last two games started, and five straight with at least seven strikeouts. Zach Wheeler, just a, a must-start yeah. pitcher moving forward? Yeah, I think so. Underperformed, and even if even if uh, the ERA you know, was right around four the rest of the way, which I think is plausible. I mean, the the number of times he's going seven innings with a ton of strikeouts, like you just don't want to miss out on having that in your lineup. Yeah, I want one thing I'm going to check and see if he's changed his pitch usage a little bit. And yes, he has. He's throwing his slider. Uh, well, he threw his slider 31% of the time last night, which is much higher than normal. 50% fastballs last night uh, as well. And that's one thing. He's relied on his fastball a lot. Uh, when he does have several useful secondaries. And he's relied on a sinker a lot, um, which hasn't been as good this season. So that's something I'd be keeping an eye on. But, yeah, I agree. He's someone you want in your lineup. What about Max Fried? First start with six innings since June 25th last night. He did technically pitch a complete game, I believe. <laughs> uh, six innings, four hits. No I mean, runs, he, he no might walks, have four if, if there wasn't a rainout because he had only thrown, I think, like 75 pitches in those six innings. So it was, I mean, it was a great start after not, you know, a a pretty rough stretch for Freed. His previous four starts were less than six innings. He had had some issues with walks here and there. He's been, he's been kind of a frustrating pitcher because I get the feeling, you know, obviously got off to a great start and he was picked up everywhere and everybody was excited about him. And yet I get the feeling he hasn't really performed uh, as well as he should, given that he's an elite ground ball pitcher with about a strikeout per inning. And his XFIP is 348 his, compared to a 407 ERA. He had, prior to yesterday's start, a 1.4 whip on the season. And it's like, how can you start a guy with a 1.4 whip? You know, but the, the BABIP is high, and that's hurt him. Plus, ground ball pitchers tend to have higher whips. 
But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I, I think I'm probably back on board with rostering him after this start. But I I don't know how to excited to be about him because he's trending the wrong direction at a time when it, the expected stats suggest he actually should be better than he's been to begin with. All right, we're going to take one more break and then be back to finish up Thursday's uh, recap. Start looking ahead to Week 20, plus your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Right back after this break. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. All right, let's talk about some more pitching from last night. I've got three guys who I want to ask you if they are still worth owning. Let's start with Jordan Yamamoto. Had a up-and-down start, four earned runs in six innings. He did have eight strikeouts and no walks, but he's given up 15 earned runs in 14 innings in his last three starts. Is Jordan Yamamoto someone you're still owning? You did say he has two, the two start starts. Two-start sleeper. But as is always the case with two-start sleepers, like you don't have to start a two-start pitcher. You know, like... I if if you have good pitching, it's very likely that you're never scouring the waiver wire for a two start sleeper. You're just going with whoever you have who's making two starts, and if not, one start guys. That's perfectly fine. Yamamoto, I I think is is a little scary. He's a little scary because he doesn't miss a lot of bats, and uh, there's a case to be made that his arsenal is so broad and he has so many different pitches he can feature that he's just manipulative in a way that uh, might make him better than traditional metrics would suggest but the way he was trending prior to this start doesn't give me a lot of confidence all right what about Andrew Kashner and I think this is a this is an easy answer right still worth owning he's still like 60 percent owned I believe no no, it's an easy answer that he's not worth owning, you're saying, right? <laughs> yes. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, he's not good. 7.33 ERA since getting to Boston. That was their big trade deadline acquisition. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> and Brad Peacock will begin a rehab assignment this weekend. Is he still worth owning, or is he going to the bullpen? Well, Urquidy got sent down, so it's not clear who the fifth starter is from this point forward. The top four, there's nobody's nobody's moving any of them. Now, adding Granky to the mix. But the fifth guy, I, 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 Peacock probably is the leading candidate for that again. They have Rogelio Armenteros, who pitched well when he got a chance to start earlier. But I, I would think that their sending down of Urquidy suggests they're, they're leaning toward going back to Peacock for that spot. All right, here's a stud who was a stud, but in a kind of surprising way last night. Clayton Kershaw just does what he does. Six innings, two earned runs. Six hits, but five walks, five strikeouts. Nothing to be concerned about with the walks, right? Nope. He does have 31 strikeouts in 24 innings since the All-Star break. That's a uh, that's a very good sign for someone who we've kind of resigned ourselves to being a strikeout per inning or less guy. It would be really interesting if he could be a little more than that. But must-start pitcher, is he top 12 for you now? Yes, he's top 12. And... It's going to be interesting next year. If he gets through the rest of the season without any issues. That's the thing. Because obviously he missed the start of the season with an injury. Mm -hmm. But the back flare-up that we had come to bake into into things with him, it hasn't hasn't come up this year. And is it it because he missed time at the beginning and so he hasn't worn down yet? I... I don't think so, because you know he was tended to go on the DL at midseason at some or IL mid, at midseason because of the back. Like, yeah, I mean he was awesome from like July on last year. Yeah, I think he was like fourth in baseball in innings pitched after the All Star break or something. So I was of the belief not just that there was skills erosion, which was evident, and you know I I, I think it's 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 still the case, but yeah, uh, good enough clearly with the skills he has left, and if. If you're not, if 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 we're to a point now where we shouldn't just assume that the back is going to prevent him from handling, it's been over an a ace year workload since yeah. the back's been an issue. Sure, it wasn't the issue in the spring; it was a shoulder issue. Right, right, yeah. So I mean, he's not that old. Yeah, early thirties, thirty, thirty-one. Yeah. So now Clayton Kershaw officially still good. Are there a couple of closer crises? One in Minneapolis, one in Milwaukee. Closer crises in the Midwest. Sam Dyson actually came in in a safe situation last night. Up 4-1. Did not retire batter. Allowed four straight guys to reach base. Two hits, two walks. Technically, Taylor Rogers blew the save. Uh, but it was all on inherited runners. Sam Dyson was charged with three yeah. of those four. The cheap blown save. I hate that. Does Sam Dyson, though... Coming in in a safe situation make you think that there are changes afoot in Minneapolis. Yeah, I was already concerned about that because the Twins acquired both Dyson and Sergio Romo, mm-hmm. two Romo right-handers with closing experience. Rogers being the one left-hander that they have for high-leverage situations. I mean, they seem reluctant to put him in the closer role in the first place. So while I don't think Dyson or Romo is going to become the closer, I, I think there's a pretty good chance it's back to being a committee. Uh, and in the case of hate, did you bring up Hater yet? Yes, that was the next one. He gave up a home run to Matt Chapman. He has a five eleven ERA in July. I think he's given up 
five home runs in the month of July. I'm less concerned about performance for him than usage because this is this was the fourth time. I mean, this was the eighth inning where he gave this up, right? Mm-hmm. It was this was the fourth time in July that he's functioned in more of a a setup role than as the closer. Like brought in before the ninth inning with no intention of pitching the ninth inning, got a hold. I don't know. That, I guess he didn't get a hold yesterday, but he has he has yeah. a few holds in July. I I thought we were past this with him. It it they had been using him like a traditional closer pretty much April through June. Yeah, he only has two saves since July 22nd. Uh, now and there hasn't really been a clear okay, this guy's going to pitch the ninth inning instead. So uh I mean Jeremy Jeffers I know has gotten a save. I believe Freddie Peralta has at least one yeah, in the span as yeah. well. So it's it's not like there's some other Brewers reliever I think you should pick up, but Hader was, as a closer, he was top three probably in fantasy. That's how you should regard him. If he's only going to get like half of the save chances going forward, he might That's drop what I was outside gonna ask. the top 10. That's I what believe. I was going to ask. Over under 50% of the saves, 50.1% of the saves for Josh Hader rest of season in Milwaukee. Yeah, I'll I'll take the over, but... It's it's looking like less than what would a typical closer get ninety percent? You know, yeah, you'd guess eighty plus. Yeah, uh, let's talk about some not studs being not studs, but not bads either. This is my Adam Azer impersonation. Michael Pineda, six innings, seven hits, one earned run, one walk, three strikeouts. The three strikeouts, obviously, the surprising part of that. He has allowed three earned run or fewer in six straight, 223 ERA, and a strikeout just under, like a fraction under of a strikeout per inning in that stretch. Where are you at on Michael Pineda? Yeah, I'm not sure. He needs to be owned, and he's he's up over 80% ownership right now, so that's, that's, that's fine. But he, I was initially excited because he was throwing harder. He was getting more swinging strikes. The secondary pitches seemed to be playing up with the increased velocity. And then for a few starts now, the velocity's kind of normalized again. And yesterday, he had only five swinging strikes, which is a bad number. Three strikeouts in six innings, not good either. Uh, I, I'm not confident he can sustain the pace he's been on lately because the changes that seem to be fueling it are... Uh, I've kind of normalized again, so I'm I'm a little concerned. All right, and one last question about yesterday. Does Jake Arrieta need to be owned at all? He's 80% owned still, which That's, seems wild to me. He yeah, hasn't thrown six wild. innings in his start since June 30th. He's been dealing with bone spurs in his elbow. Yesterday he mm-hmm. said it was really rough pitching with the elbow. Uh, only gave up one run in four innings, five strikeouts, but 444 ERA, high whip. Pineda or Arietta? Pineda, definitely. Arietta, I have no hope for. Cease or Arietta? Cease. Freed or Arietta? Uh, Freed. Yamamoto. Even Yamamoto. There's there's nothing. Jesus Lazardo. <laughs> it just depends on whether you need uh, starts or you need upside. But there is no nothing redeeming in Arietta's line. There's nothing he does well, including. Even eating innings, like you're saying. So there's, yeah, there's, there's nothing, there's no reason to hold on to Ariad. I'm amazed that his ownership 
is that high. All right, let's go through the two-star pitchers who are owned in fewer than 80% of leagues. Uh, not going to go through all of them, but I want you to just tell me, starter set. We're going to go real quick. Rick Porcello, Kansas City, Los Angeles Angels. Oh, gosh. He's been awful. Yeah, he's been awful. Probably a sit even with the KC matchup in there. Jordan Yamamoto at New York versus Atlanta. Uh, like, he, he, I think he's one of the best sleepers, but I would prefer not to have to start him. Zach Plezak versus Texas at Minnesota. No. Andrew Kashner, easy no. Doesn't matter who he's playing, although it is Kansas <laughs> City and the Angels. Jeff Samarja versus the Nationals versus Philadelphia. It's kind of interesting. Two home starts. Yeah. Um, I, I could put him under the sleeper label, but like with Yamamoto, I'd rather not have to do that. Anibal Sanchez at San Francisco at the Mets. Couple of big parks. I don't really believe in the success Sanchez has had lately, but I think it's fair to consider him a sleeper. Griffin Canning at Cincinnati at Boston. Yeah, That's I already yes. called him a sleeper. I mean, I was... I wouldn't quite say yes, but he is probably my favorite two-start sleeper. We're just going to skip over Danny Salazar. Denelson Lamette at Seattle, home versus Colorado. Two-start weeks, the only time yeah. you're going to get more than five innings out of him. Well, yeah, but <laughs> not going to get a win, probably. Chris Bassett, who has been a lot better lately, at the Cubs, at the White Sox. He has been better. Uh, it would have to be a deep league. Dylan Cease, Vince Velasquez. We've already identified as them as maybe, maybe, sleeper, maybe yeah. sleepers. Yeah. Jordan Lyles at Pittsburgh versus Texas. Revenge game? No. Sandy Alcantara at the Mets versus Atlanta? No, thank you. Anybody owned in 21% of leagues or fewer who you'd even consider in a 15-team league? Doesn't look like that. No, it's there. It, it's one of those weeks where you can find two start sleepers. There are a number of them out there, but there are there's there's nobody to really endorse with gusto. No gusto for these guys. Have you done your sleeper hitters? I uh, haven't. Research. Do you have the best matchups? I I don't. I, don't. I have some good matchups that okay, I can that's put fine. out there. No, uh, we can we can skip it. Well, I just leave him wanting something for Scott White's sleeper hitters column on CBSSports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. I'll mention mention a few tidbits. All right. Let's get some tidbits. So, as I mentioned, the Tigers love bits of tid. The Tigers play eight matchups. If you can find one you want to use, (laughs) they they play eight games. The Marlins also play eight games, but it's a similar situation. Maybe Garrett Cooper, although I doubt he actually starts all eight of those games. Yeah, Garrett Cooper. Maybe Jorge Alfaro. He won't yeah. start all eight, but maybe five. Right. And and they're not great matchups because it's the Mets and Braves rotations yeah. they're facing. Uh, I do like the Brewers matchups. I do like the Yankees matchups. And there you could find some sleepers in those lineups. Trent Grisham, if he is a regular for the Brewers, he looks like a, a fine sleeper for this week. It's looking like nothing but righties. So Eric, Eric Thames, uh, I'd call a sleeper this week. Uh, for the Yankees, Talkman, I, I think, is going to stay in the lineup even with Brett Gardner returning because now they're, they've lost uh, Voight and Encarnacion is just going to play first base. So they got DH spot open for another outfielder. So I think Talkman would be a sleeper for them. Maybe Gardner himself, assuming he does come back this weekend. 
So those are some tidbits. All right, let's close out the show and the week with some emails. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com is the email address if you want to get right on the show. Jason in Boston writes in, what do we think of Eloy Jimenez as a keeper going forward in a points league, hitting for power but not providing anything else? Is he still a quote-unquote can't-miss prospect? Can he be a top hit 30 hitter next year, or is he a few years away? I think it's totally unfair to assess a player by his rookie season. I, I don't think really anything a player should, does as a rookie should um, should damage his long-term appeal. It's hard not to feel like feel underwhelmed with Eloy Jimenez, though. And I, I think a similar... Like what it really reminds me of is Jorge Soler, who, if you look at what he was doing in the minors before the Cubs called him up, very similar. He he was a better minor league hitter than Chris Bryant was, and then he gets to the majors, and the strikeout rate is way up, and you know the power is really all he's providing, and not enough of it. Uh, and eventually, you know, he's obviously become worthwhile with the Royals, but I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned about Jimenez, but not wanting to really act on that concern because it could backfire. The one thing I will say is he does have a 226 ISO, uh, striking out too much, of course, but only a 264 BABIP, and obviously he's not athletic at all, but still probably someone we should expect to have a higher than a at least a, a league average BABIP. I would expect based on what he did in the minors, he was consistently you know, 344 or higher in the minor. So that's one thing I would say is that I don't think the 264 BABIP is particularly real. All right, Justin, I could really use your help here, guys. In a head-to-head 12-person category league, we can keep players for up to three years. I have Trout. I have to trade Trout this year. He goes down with the ship for my playoff run. Who will be better for my run this year and, more importantly, the following two years? Christian Yelich or Ronald Acuna? I gotta say Yelich. I mean, Acuna might be top five, but Yelich is contending with Trout for the top overall player at this point, and young enough that I don't see him dropping off. All right, our last one, Zach in Houston. Dear Danny, Rusty, Linus, Basher, Ruben, Frank, Saul, Dell, Virgil, Turk, and Yen. We've never had that many people on the podcast. This is ridiculous. Do you know who they are? No. Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Daniel Ocean. I mean, if he named the actors, maybe I could I think have Linus it. was Matt Damon's character, probably. Mm, did he carry around a blanket? I wasn't sure what this was. I had to look it up. Okay. I'll be honest. Or he <laughs> included it in the email. All right, Zach in Houston. I am currently in line to make the playoffs in a head-to-head points league with four weeks to go, and he's trying to think ahead on how he can pr- improve his pitching. Several high-level pitchers were recently dropped due to their injuries or setbacks. Those are Brandon Woodruff, Tyler Glasnow, Luis Severino, and Luke Weaver. Based on projected timetable to return, roll upon return, and projected impact for fantasy, how would you rank the above in terms of who I need to target most aggressively? Again, Brandon Woodruff, Tyler Glasnow, Luis Severino, and Luke Weaver. Who are who is your rank them for stash purposes this season? Woodruff, I think, has the easiest chance of making it back in the role he left. But we're talking. We're talking, uh, I don't know, some of these guys could make it back early September. So yeah, Woodruff number one. Severino, I think, has moved to number two since Glasnow uh, suffered a setback. But Glasnow would be third in Weaver. I haven't really seen much of anything in terms of progress from he's last. Yeah, Severino could be uh, could begin round work 
soon. He's been on a throwing program for two weeks. And, yeah, I really haven't seen much on uh, the on Luke Weaver. It doesn't sound like he's even started throwing yet. The only one I'm that hopeful for, honestly, is Woodruff. The others, you know, if you have a free IL spot, obviously doesn't hurt to keep him around. There aren't many pitchers of their caliber out there. But Woodruff, Woodruff is the only one I just absolutely would not drop. All right, that's going to do it for Friday's episode of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. For Scott White, I'm Chris Towers. Come back soon.